1: Is Bill Press and Friends on the District Productive Network. Hey, it's Bill Press. You know, we put out our daily podcast for you every day. And if you've been listening, you know that that daily podcast condenses the whole two hour live show down to just 40 minutes, which is good. But that means we usually can only give you a small piece of each guest's interview. And some of the terrific content from those guests just gets left on the cutting room floor. Well, not anymore. Our new weekly podcast called Extended Play features a full, unedited interview with one of our favorite guests from the previous week. We're doing that because the Bill Press shows where top newsmakers start their day, and we want to make sure you can enjoy as much of that as possible. Extended Play starts right now. Lead story in the New York Times today, the U.S. war footprint grows with no end game in sight, what? Nobody's talking about that. Uh, well, Joshua Keating is. He's a, a staff writer for Slate, and he joins us in studio. Hi, Josh. Good to see you.
0: Hey, thanks, Bill. Great to be here. So
1: um, it was what a week or so ago that Donald Trump sent uh, more U.S. troops, advisors, to on the ground uh, against ISIS in Syria.
0: Yes, uh, there are about 1,000 troops sent to northern Syria. Uh, so far, they're not supposed to be taking part in direct ground combat. They're advising local forces on the ground, which is something that was also the strategy of the Obama administration, which has led a lot of people to say that there's not really any difference between how Donald Trump is conducting the war on terror and how Obama is. And I understand that point of view in that, yes, like Obama, There is uh, an emphasis on supporting local forces, particularly Kurdish groups on the ground, rather than, uh, you know, American soldiers taking part in direct ground fighting. But that doesn't mean there are no differences. The main difference we've seen is a real ramping up in airstrikes and what seems like a much lower priority on uh, preventing civilian casualties in those strikes. And that's been the case in uh, Syria and Iraq and in, in Yemen as well.
1: And um, this
0: has been done
1: – This is Congress is not involved in this. This is pure presidential decision-making, right, with, with the Pentagon, obviously.
0: But. Yeah, well, this, is, this was part of the problem that I think a lot of people uh, wish had gotten more attention under the uh, last administration, yes, which yes. is that we basically have this open-ended war on terror. We're fighting ISIS under an authorization that was signed in 2001 – Mm -hmm. Following the 9/11 attacks, we never did
1: get a new um, uh, uh, a new AUMF. AUMF, yeah. yeah. Uh,
0: And you know, Obama at one point said that he wanted one, but then, but that he was content to keep fighting ISIS under the one that existed. And uh, there were several bills. Notably, Adam Schiff, who's now in the news for other reasons, was was one guy who was <laughs> right. uh, really pushing this issue, and, and a few other and a few Republicans, Rand Paul and and a few others, were uh, really pushing to get a new AUMF specifically targeted at ISIS. But right now, essentially, we're in a situation where um, there's an open-ended war uh, against any jihadist group. Uh, that can be conducted in basically any country with no geographic or time limit, and uh, guess what? Uh, that was just handed over to Donald Trump.
1: And one of the uh, consequences we've seen of this stepped-up involvement and American advisors that seems closer to the front lines and more mm-hmm. involved in actual uh, operations, calling in airstrikes, what, or, or were these um, heavy civilian casualties in this one building in Mosul this, yes. this week, where yeah, uh, mm. I, I thought that. The admission by the lead, the Pentagon spokesperson, the general, what, who testified yesterday in Congress, was kind of appallingly um, matter of fact. I mean, he sort of said, I forget the phrasing that he used, but yeah, there's some indications that, that we might have made a mistake. He didn't even say use the mistake that that that, that the American. This was an American. Um, yeah, we did this right. Yeah. Right. We well, what he, he thinks the there's hundreds of civilians, civilians were killed mm-hmm. in the most yeah. recent U.S.
0: airstrike in Iraq. Yes, which would make this uh, one of the highest casualty events, uh, not just in the fight against ISIS, but since 2003, since the initial U.S. invasion. Um, and, you know, this I don't want to suggest that this sort of thing never happened before, but it seems to be happening with disturbing regularity now yeah. uh, the week before. The Mosul attack, there was a uh, bombing of a school in near Raqqa, Syria. Uh, this was a school that was being used as a shelter for people who were uh, fleeing from other parts of Syria. There were uh, reportedly, according to people on the ground, about 30 civilians killed in that airstrike. The week before that, there was a bombing uh, of a mosque in or, you know, depending on who you talk to, is either a bombing of a mosque or a building next to a mosque. Uh, where about 50 civilians were reportedly killed. And uh, then, of course, you know in, in January, there was that infamous raid in Yemen, uh, where a Navy SEAL, as yeah, well as a number right. of uh, civilians, were killed. Mm-hmm. And yeah so we have these regular events happening, and this is happening at the same time that this administration has taken a number of steps uh, that indicate that protecting civilians is less of a priority. On January 28th, there was an executive order signed by the president, which basically said that um, the rules of engagement should be changed so that they don't exceed requirements of international law. So basically, that seems to be translated that they should do the bare minimum to comply with international law. Another thing they've done is they've um, basically renewed the authority of the CIA to conduct drone strikes. Mm. Uh, if you'll recall, under the last administration, Moving they shifted that to, to the Pentagon, Pentagon right. which is uh, theoretically more accountable and has to be more transparent about who it's bombing and the casualties. Another thing they've done is they've rev- removed uh, the White House oversight. You know, Under the previous administration, uh, you know, for, for all that the drone war was expanded, these strikes could sometimes, the reviews could take weeks, and uh, the military would complain about, you know, the level of oversight preventing them. Basically, that has been removed, and the Defense Department uh, and the military has been given a lot more leeway to order these strikes without, you know, civilian oversight. Uh, theoretically, this we have civilian control of the military in this country, but a lot of those steps have been taken out. And so, because of those steps, I think we should be less inclined to give. Uh, give the military and the administration the benefit of the doubt when that they are taking uh, all the measures necessary to prevent civilian it, casualties.
1: When you mentioned benefit of the doubt, I think it's important that we should remember that during the campaign, Donald Trump said, kill the terrorists, kill their families, kill their friends.
0: Mm-hmm. Like,
1: he did not rule out killing innocent people if it helped the greater good of getting one of these terrorists, in his mind, the greater good of getting one of these terrorists. So 200 innocent people killed in airstrikes? Do I think that was an accident? No.
0: Yeah, and and it, I, I believe the phrase he used was that the Obama administration was waging a politically correct war on terror. Yeah, yeah. right. Um, that they were being too careful... About protecting civilians, and I and I want to emphasize again that civilians were killed. I mean, there sure, there yeah. were these. Im- I mean, right. there was the bombing yeah. of the the hospital in Kunduz, Afghanistan, yeah. Yeah. a wedding party in Yemen. This happened before. Right mm-hmm. now, it's happening very frequently. Yeah,
1: yeah. So, so this building in Mosul, did we Do we know that they were there? Do we? What do we know? Some people they always say that that mm-hmm. the which I'm willing to believe somewhat at least that ISIS. You know, put people in there. You know, almost uh, to, to trigger this and yeah, uh, that that.
0: Um, and but we should have known. I don't know. Well, one plausible reason what were they, why so many people doing in a building. like One that? plausible reason why the number of civilian casualties is increasing that could be separate from rules of engagement is that um, the battle for Mosul is entering the urban center of that city, and that's oh, happening yeah. in yeah. Raqqa as well. So. Because of that, you would expect um, that there would be higher numbers of civilian casualties. There was a very disturbing report from Amnesty International earlier this week that indicated that the Iraqi military had actually instructed civilians not to leave these parts of the city before the strikes took place. So, um, yeah, so you have essentially people trapped. Um, ISIS is taking full advantage of this. and they are embedded in civilian areas, and um, you know want to maximize the number of casualties that are killed, and are going to take their full um, propaganda, um, make full propaganda use of these incidents as well. Now, in
1: terms of stepping things up again, back to this morning's New York Times, the very opening sentence of their article: "The United States launched more airstrikes in Yemen this month." Than during all
0: of last year. Yes, yeah, and so I mean we have a whole new war
1: that nobody's talking
0: about, right? And by the way, it's not just our our strikes too. The there's also the ongoing Saudi campaign uh, against the Houthi rebels in Yemen, which are Saudi, which is are viewed as a uh, Iranian proxy. Um, and then who are we bombing? We are in theory bombing Al Qaeda in the Re- Arabian Peninsula, AQAP um and then so we're
1: not taking part in this saudi well movie thing.
0: yes we are um there there was logistical support under the previous administration given to the saudi campaign in december the obama administration finally kind of pulled back from that uh canceled a planned sale of pre- precision guided muni- right, munitions right. to saudi arabia because of these complaints of civilian casualties uh the wall street journal reported last week that uh, the Trump administration is reversing that decision that that sale of munitions is going forward. Uh, by the way, we're also we've also sold cluster munitions, which are widely banned under international treaty. But uh, and we may start actively participating in this uh, Saudi campaign, uh, which, you know, the the previous Defense Secretary Ash Carter admitted is actually helping al Qaeda by. Um, you know, creating chaos mm. in this country, and has uh, created almost a thousand civilian casualties. Uh, uh, 10, I'm sorry, ten thousand civilian casualties in Yemen. Yemen's on the brink of famine, according to the United Nations. And you know, at the same time, Al Qaeda, from all indications, has increased its capabilities. Uh, so, you know, what are we doing here? Like, what this this? It's well, not clear. Like, what this war has accomplished? You know, in addition to the humanitarian goals, it hasn't even uh, accomplished its strategic purposes. And uh, I I just I I, I wish there had been more accountability uh, under the last administration. And now that's completely gone out the window under the new one.
1: So, I mean, just looking at it, we have. And again, we know that President Obama was elected, that he was going to end the war in Iraq and end the war in Afghanistan, neither of which he was able to do or did. Mm -hmm. Uh, But uh, meanwhile, opened up a new front against uh, uh, ISIS or ISIL, as he called it. So he left, and then he really has opened up a fourth, uh, another new front in Mm -hmm. Yemen, which and so all. So now we have four different wars. Maybe you could combine Syria and Iraq as one, but um, more war. we're, We're at war in more places than we were ever before. Correct? Yes.
0: Uh, yeah, Jesus. I mean if there's Yeah, and and again. let's uh, yeah. so talking about, about that. Just
1: like, let that sink in for a second. No, I know. Yeah, yeah, and
0: by the way, we haven't even brought up Afghanistan <laughs> is, I, I know. In, yeah. in this conversation, which Jesus. is uh Yeah. Uh, so yes. so what have, is going on in Afghanistan? Uh well, <laughs> nothing good. Um so there's uh yeah, the they're basically the US mission or the NATO US-led NATO mission has been indefinitely uh, expanded. Uh, there's uh, increased more and more districts are falling to the Taliban uh, in uh, particularly in Helmand province. Um, are we the, what 16 years now? I was just trying to right. Uh, yeah, 2001. So yeah, yeah 16, 16 years. years. And uh, that is sort of taking on characteristics of a proxy war as well. The U.S. military has uh, started to raise concerns that uh, Russia is actually supporting uh, oh, the it. Taliban which, you know, has that for historical irony. Yeah. Uh, Rus- yeah. yeah. Russia Russian is now back uh, to supporting the... uh, uh Islamic rebels uh, fighting against, you mm. know, US occupiers in Afghanistan. <laughs> so, um uh so yeah, that's another situation. Um yeah. And uh so wow. you know, I, we're this war is this sort of ongoing war that has been going on for well over a decade now, uh, keeps expanding, and there's sort of Congress I, has kind of taken itself out of it, and it's. Uh, I don't
1: even want to know how much money we have spent in Afghanistan in the last sixteen years. It's yeah. frightening. You, you know, you talk about this I defense believe, budget. I bet it probably equals this.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think one it's years Rivaling you, one the years Marshall in, Plan at this yeah, point, like the, yeah. the amount of money we spent. Yeah.
1: Right. Uh, and there's a reason that they call Afghanistan the graveyard of empires. <laughs> <laughs> Throughout yeah. history, it has been, and we're the, we're the latest fools to think we could change it. Yeah. Um, all right, you know, so with all of this, um, I, somebody mentioned, uh, talking about, we're only seven day, 70 days into the Trump administration, but there has been no major foreign policy crisis yet, right? Unless you count these little ongoing things we're ignoring,
0: no. uh, where is
1: it likely to happen, and what are the chances that, <laughs> that Trump is up to dealing with it? In any oh
0: man, so there are a few. So we have these uh, so far a thousand troops, roughly a thousand. There may be more deployed, in northern Syria, and a lot of what they're doing is not really fighting against ISIS. They are kind Of there acting as a buffer between uh, Kurdish and uh, Turkish supported mm. forces on the ground. Uh, what there, there was a great, um, I think the Military Times had a really good op ed about how it's not really clear like what these troops are supposed to do if the Turks and Kurds start shooting at each other. I mean, we're all concerned about the fight against ISIS, but you know, that this could even if uh, we take Raqqa and Mosul in the next few months, the war in Syria is very complex. Uh, there are multiple actors, proxy forces on the ground. This could very well transform into yet another phase of civil war, and uh, it's not really clear what these uh, Americans on the ground are supposed to do if the different uh, units who are theoretically on our side start shooting at each other. So that's one thing. Uh, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that that's one potential crisis. I mean, there's you know, I, always potential for uh, in East Asia for flare-ups in uh, the South China Sea or North Korea. But um, and me. and no, I you know, I, mention- I, and I want to mention that you know all this is happening. You know, uh, Secretary of State Tillerson gave a speech last week about ISIS strategy to a group of visiting foreign ministers, mostly from Middle Eastern countries and a few European ones. Where he he kind of gave lip service to yes we have to remain involved in finding a diplomatic solution in Syria in you know providing humanitarian aid to the victims of this you know this all this is happening while there's the Trump budget has a 28 percent cut in line for uh, for foreign aid and for uh, diplomatic yeah. services you know the uh, Mick Mulvaney the budget chief came out and said that uh, this is a hard power budget not a soft power budget so. You know, when we talk about uh, you know remaining in the game diplomatically, uh, you know how are we supposed to take that seriously? I mean, before um, our current Secretary of Defense, before he was in his current job, he said every dollar you cut from diplomacy is another dollar I have to spend in bullets, and he was totally right. And so, you know, so I or don't was know, that Gates or Panetta. Um, or the, no. Uh, the the uh, current secretary of defense. Oh,
1: oh, I'm sorry, Mattis. Said Mattis, that. yeah. Oh, yeah, right. Um, what tr- what Tillerson said about North Korea uh, that the military option is uh, definitely
0: uh, on the table. Was he right? So, I that was a weird story because that is the kind of thing that is kind of boilerplate. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. the previous administration Everybody said that. Everybody, that. like, why why would you say that? The military option is off the table. You don't gain anything. But you seem
1: to gain to put a certain uh, yeah emphasis. I I think it's sort of
0: like it was taken a little more seriously because his boss is somebody who talked in very flippant terms during the campaign about you know nuclearizing uh, the Korean Peninsula, giving nukes to South Korea, about uh, you know using military force against North Korea. So I think that was a kind of case where people thought like, oh, yeah. maybe maybe this time when he says military force is on the table, like he right. really uh-huh. actually means it. That situation is so in flux right now because we don't have a government in place in South Korea. Uh, their president was impeached recently. Right. Uh, and it's not clear how the new South Korean administration is going to look at this uh, missile defense system we want to put in there. Uh, China's objecting to um, the plans to deploy missile defense, so um, yeah so many th- there are so many variables right there it's uh, it's hard to like discern what our North Korea policy is going to look like in a couple months.
1: Back to ISIS for just a second. Um,
0: what happened to the plan? Uh, <laughs> it's, it's still a secret um, well, 30 the, days is what he said 30 days so there was
1: there was donald trump's secret plan uh that he had during the campaign it was he knew more about isis than the generals did and then first thing he does when he gets in he goes to the pentagon and says give me a plan in 30 days sean spicer told us at the white house that they delivered the plan on time that was a month ago we haven't heard anything about it well, so it, yeah, there haven't been the plan, any
0: leaks either. The plan was delivered, and uh, I think NBC reported a couple aspects of it. I mean, it is this the plan? The, in the, the, the what we're seeing? In the in its kind of broad strokes, it doesn't look that different from what we've seen before. A lot of it involves uh, support to the Syrian de- Democratic forces, which is basically an umbrella group that's composed primarily of Kurdish, um, fighters in Northern Syria. And it's, it's sort of beefing up support to them to push back on Raqqa with increased airstrikes. So, uh, the, uh, general Admiral, Admiral Stavridis, who's like now a, uh, retired Admiral Stavridis, who's now a commentator had a good line that, uh, plan B is basically like do plan A, but more, uh, yeah, and, yeah. and so, so yeah, so Seems the, to be, so supposedly, this plan that uh, Donald Trump did not want to, you know, let us hear during the campaign because it would let ISIS know what he was doing, basically is like doing what was already happening, but mm-hmm. but but more so. Re- um, a related story,
1: because mm-hmm. uh, getting short on time, that you have yeah. uh, uh, you you've been writing about um, Theresa May appearing in front of uh, Parliament yesterday mm-hmm. and making it uh, making it official.
0: Yeah. This is an historic
1: moment from which there can be no turning back. <laughs> Britain is
0: leaving the European Union.
1: What are the what are the national security implications of that? Are are there any?
0: Well, hmm, that, that's interesting. One, uh, you know, it, in some ways, the uh, Euro- the British have been one of the main opponents to kind of defence centralization in Europe. Uh, that there's been a push to. Sort of coordinate uh, mm-hmm. a European defense policy, and mm-hmm. they don't want to call it a European army, but it's it's sort of moving closer to that direction. So in some ways, that was something that uh, previous American administrations have kind of favored, and so that all, may almost make that right. sure. more likely uh, having them out of the Europe out of the EU. I mean, it, in some ways, uh, this what I wrote yesterday is that uh, this may along Brexit along with the um, rise of Donald Trump and fears of, you know, Russian aggression may kind of lead to a little more European unity. Uh, It finally kind of gives a union that didn't have much of an identity, you know, something to push back against. And we've seen sort of, so, Hmm. uh, you know, this month we saw in the Dutch elections that uh, Geert Wilders, the far right, you leader, he uh, didn't do as well as he hoped. Um, and uh, there's some signs sure. in Germany and France that uh, sort of this anti-EU wave that we were predicting may not actually may, come may, to pass. May not happen yet. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Good work, uh, Josh. Thanks so much. Uh, and thanks for coming in and bringing us up to date. Joshua Keating at Slate, slate.com. Have a great day, folks. We'll be looking for you back here this tomorrow.
0: is The Bill Press Show.